welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. One week from tomorrow, we make our final stop on the road to WrestleMania. Of course, I'm talking about the Elimination Chamber coming your way live from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. We've got a lot to get to this week. Not a lot of time to get there. So, of course, I've enlisted the help of my tag team partner from Monday Night Raw, KP, Kevin Patrick. How you feeling this morning? I'm brilliant, Gravy. Absolutely brilliant. I'm loving what I'm seeing from your new studio. It looks class. A historic episode of After the Bell. After umpteen hundred episodes or whatever that I've done it, the studio is finally complete. The new official After the Bell studio live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, deep in the heart of my basement. It's quite nice, quite aesthetically pleasing. I love it. Uh, For as much time as I spend in my basement, it's nice to have a little place to occupy and call my own. Shout out to my amazing wife, Carmela, who decorated and designed this madness. And of course, her wonderful parents who did all the legwork, quite literally. Her dad built me this. This was just a basement with no walls. Now there are many walls. There's a podcast studio. Soon there will be a nice little speakeasy style pub. There's a gym going in, you know, using maximizing usage of my space. You know what, Gravy? Most people hate you because you hit the jackpot marrying Carmela, but you hit the jackpot with that father-in-law as well, building that studio for you. What a gift that is. No doubt about it. Uh, ancillary gifts, things that are wonderful. I wasn't re- I wasn't aware that uh, Carmela had such a knack for interior design. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. We got a lot to talk about, KP. Elimination Chamber's looming. We found out this past Monday the fields for both Elimination Chamber matches have been completed. On the women's side of things, we now know that Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and my beloved, the aforementioned Carmella, have all qualified to enter the Chamber match. The winner of that, heads to LA to SoFi Stadium to challenge Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. And of course, on the men's side of things, we got a little more clarity again this Friday as the field has been completed. Austin Theory will defend his United States Championship against Seth freaking Rollins. Johnny Gargano, Damian Priest, Montez Ford of the Street Profits, and a man who will be joining us right here on ATB in a matter of moments, the colossal Bronson Reed. I'm excited to get his thoughts. But KP, in the wake of Monday night, there was a lot to be excited about. To me, it was one of the best Monday night Raws we have had in recent weeks. And I'm definitely including Raw's 30th anniversary. As much fun as that was, this past week felt very much like we are on the road to WrestleMania. This is when the whole company gears up, all the storylines start to fall into place, and we get ready for the showcase of the Immortals. What were your takeaways from this past Monday night? Biggest takeaways uh, that I don't know what the headline is after Monday because it was that good. It reminded me a little bit of Raw season premiere back on October 10th when you and I came away from the arena. That was my first night calling the action with you. 
we're like, wow, what a show. Raw 30, what a show. This past Monday, insanely good. Like, do you pick out the Bobby Brock confrontation? Is it the fact that Lita emerges with seconds remaining to help out, out her old pal? And like Lita tweeted just a couple of weeks ago for Becky's birthday, uh, saying, I'll always have your back, my friend. Sure enough, the Hall of Famer did exactly that. Or I think the headline for many people will be the confrontation and the war of words and the compliments between Paul Heyman, special counsel to the tribal chief Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. And I know I sat next to you and you were just, you were lost in the moment. You were in a different realm altogether throughout that entire engagement, weren't you? You're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up. And again, this is to not gloss over any of the moments that you just mentioned. I mean, Hall of Famer Lita showing up in the closing moments was huge. And it's very rare these days that you can genuinely surprise most of, if not all of the WWE universe. You know, in this day and age of social media, it's next to impossible to keep a secret. But Lita was a well-kept secret and a very, very cool reveal to take us off of the air. But you're right. I want to talk about Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes. Uh, The story of Cody Rhodes has been uh, a major part of Monday Night Raw in the lead up to the Royal Rumble. Obviously, before Cody's injury, everything seemed to be trending toward a very particular direction. Here we are. Cody returns, wins the Royal Rumble match. If you haven't caught last week's episode, pause this, download that, listen to every word the American Nightmare said. I, I always enjoy when Cody sits down and talks shop with us. But what we saw on Monday and I'm not just including you and I, but I am including you and I, KP, in in the conversation. For fans, what we watched unfold between Heyman and Cody was magic. Quite simply put, it was the closest thing I've seen as a lifelong wrestling fan, and I'm sure there are exceptions. There are probably too many exceptions to count. But off the top of my head, I don't remember the last time two individuals talked me into the match. That was an old-school promo. That's why they're called promos, ladies and gentlemen. For those listening, everybody in wrestling and all the fans know, oh, that was a great promo. The word promo comes from the fact that you are promoting the match. You are promoting the fight. It is what Dusty Rhodes did better than anybody in the history of the business at that time, not named Ric Flair. And that's why Flair and Dusty were so magical. They could talk you into the seats. You didn't know what you were going to see, but you knew you couldn't miss it. And here we are, what is it, 50-something days, give or take? 50 days. 50 days from WrestleMania as as we're dropping this. And I cannot wait. I am salivating at the prospect of Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns because of all of the history. That is one segment. That was one promo between Rhodes and Heyman. And I'm hooked, right? I am deep, deeply hooked in the back of my jaw, hook, line, sinker. Hell, I'm ready to, to, to eat the whole rod at this point. Take that out. That sounded dirty. Anyway, <laughs> uh, leave it in. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I could not be any more in than I am at the prospect of Cody Rhodes, who we know is heading to WrestleMania to challenge for the championship in the main event. And I'm excited for Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, but I am also as guilty as anybody of overlooking what we have in between. A potential catastrophic speed bump for the tribal chief and the entire bloodline, that being Elimination Chamber, when Sami Zayn will challenge Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Absolutely. Can we go back a quick second, though? Because ATB, right? Paul Heyman, clearly a listener. 
Cody Rhodes on the show last week talking about separating the, his first name from his last name. He, he had spoken about it after the Royal Rumble match victory as well. Paul Heyman picked his moment beautifully, didn't he? As Cody Rhodes is, is, is now Cody venturing forward, he brings back in Dusty Rhodes and he drags Dusty into the conversation and, and he managed. I, I noticed you at one point, Corey, and, and Cody mentioned this to us last week on the show that a lot of people speak about Dusty that didn't know him. And you knew Dusty very well indeed. And there was one point that I noticed you were a little bit emotional um, during that engagement and you looked up to the sky. Am I correct? In, in Yeah, in, yeah. I didn't know if anybody caught that. I did notice that because yeah. it was an emotional moment for Cody, but I noticed you were quite in the moment as well. And it was hard not to be because there was so much truth, so much truth on both sides, both what Heyman said and what Cody said. And that is when I say it is magic, why it is magic. That is the recipe because it's based in reality. We talk all the time, week after week here about why I'm such a fan of the bloodline and everything about them is because it is ultimately based in truth and reality. On the other side of the coin, everything Cody's saying is based in reality. Everything Paul Heyman said, the story about ECW and restoring Dusty's confidence, man, if you watched that and couldn't relate to it and couldn't feel it in some capacity, whether you knew Dusty or otherwise, every human being can relate to that story, to, to knowing somebody or being themselves down on their luck, down and out, and not knowing if you were who you thought you were. And, and to have that brought to the forefront and to have two incredible, eloquent speakers delivering this promo which is why Heyman is one of, if not the greatest manager of all time for that, that speaking ability and for Cody to hold his own and not get eaten up by Paul Heyman, which you'll see happen. We've seen happen a million times where at the end you're talking about Paul Heyman, not the, the subject of his ire. And, and Cody held his own and proved that he belonged. And just here we are again, 50 something days, 50 days out. I am so excited to see what could be provided the train stays on the track. But to go back to the potential derailment, we've got Sami Zayn waiting. And what, what nobody, I think, is, is realizing is how, what an unusual circumstance this is where we've got basically two perfect storms concurrently happening on the way to WrestleMania. Those storms being, yes, the traditional Royal Rumble, the comeback of Cody. It, it's real. It's organic. People are in. People are all in. People have been waiting. This is a match we never thought we'd see, particularly, oh, I don't know, a year and a half ago when Cody was still persona non grata in WWE. We never thought we'd see this. And here it is. It's, it's about to fall in our laps. But while Cody was away, the bloodline continued to develop. And Sami Zayn has organically become the, the collective hero, the underdog of the WWE universe. Now we find ourselves in a bit of a conundrum. Yes, we do. Is anybody on earth going to be disappointed if Sami Zayn beats Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber? Or let's just throw it out there. What if Sami Zayn is included at WrestleMania? That's what I'm Roman saying. And with Cody, uh, it happened two years ago. Daniel Bryan, Edge, and Roman Reigns. I mean, hey, you're, you're, I've, I, that's, I, I wasn't thinking that, but I suppose that could be a possibility. I mean, we know Cody's earned the match. Roman, you would imagine if he loses at Elimination Chamber would like a rematch or would deserve a rematch after the most dominant reign in, in history. Is that where we go? Do we see a triple threat? Or perhaps less likely, but maybe more curiously, do we have Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania? Think about this. As much as I love the reality of the bloodline versus Cody Rhodes and the two royal families of this business colliding at the pinnacle, sure, I mean, it writes itself. It's beautiful. 
But Sami Zayn's been the guy that nobody really wanted, right? The the redheaded stepchild, the honorary Oos. And we've watched this character arc and the development of Sami and the people have just gravitated to him. He's their guy. And you mentioned a couple of years ago, Daniel Bryan was that guy that the WWE universe rallied behind and demanded he was part of that main event, which ultimately Roman still uh, emerged victorious. But man, what a great problem to have from uh, for us as, as a business, as a company. It could go either way. And, and do, do the crowd, does the crowd split? I mean, look, again, I'm not advocating for it. I, I think we all win. And when I say we, I mean the WWE universe. We all win no matter what happens. If it's Cody Roman, if it's Sammy Cody, if it's Sammy Cody Roman, however it plays out at WrestleMania, we win. I'm just curious to see how the WWE universe responds because right now, again, Cody's still their guy, but so is Sammy now. And it was this, this unobstructed path of Cody to WrestleMania that just, okay, hey, it's the feel-good story of the year, right? Nobody's mad at this. It's a great comeback. You've got the, the underdog Cody versus the dominant champion. Great. But then Sammy comes in and mucks up everything for everybody. <laughs> Whereas in, in, in the past, sometimes you go, oh, well, we're going to add this. And it kind of takes it down a notch or it's not quite the same. I'm an old school fan. I'm a sucker for one-on-one at WrestleMania, right? Historically speaking, you don't have a lot of fan favorites versus fan favorites or heroes versus heroes in the main event of WrestleMania. Off the top of my head, the only one, I'm sure there are other exceptions and I'm, I'm looking forward to Twitter correcting me, but I'm thinking like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. Two superheroes colliding at WrestleMania. It seemed unfathomable at the time, but it still lives on as one of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever. Could that be Cody and Sammy in 2023? And, and it sounds insane to say that there's, there's a possibility of that main event without the tribal chief. Yeah. I'm not advocating for it. I want Roman Reigns in the main event at WrestleMania. That's where the guy belongs. But we are in such a unique position right now in this lead up to WrestleMania that 50 days away, while ordinarily the card is starting to take shape and you kind of see where everything's going, everything's still up in the air, man. This is crazy. This is fun. Uh, and the words you use, though, I go back to it. Organic. This is organic. This is the WWE Universe falling in love with Sami Zayn over the course of the last year or so. I mean, remember his match at WrestleMania last year? We were in love with Sami Zayn then, but this is an entirely new level of love for the honorary use Sami Zayn and certainly all that's happened since the Royal Rumble match. I saw on Twitter around I'm the time of the Royal... real quick because I, I, I had a thought, KP, before I, okay. before I let you go on. I had a thought as you were saying what you just said, and you're absolutely right, but since Cody returned... The, the phrase that has been thrown about has been undesirable to undeniable. Are you telling me that doesn't also apply to Sami Zayn throughout most of his career? Exactly. If not his WWE tenure? Man, I don't know. I, I, that just came to me as you were saying things. So uh, go on with your point. I'm sorry to derail you. I just wanted to throw that out there. I saw on Twitter, Bully Ray put out a, uh, a poll. And I believe the question was, like, who, who would you want to win the Royal Rumble match? And the options were Sami Zayn or Cody Rhodes. And as far as I remember, like thousands of people voted on this poll. Guess what it was? The end result, 50-50. I believe That'll it. That'll tell you everything. I Cody Rhodes, is, his popularity is incredible right now, but Sami Zayn is right there with him. So I, I'm with you, man. This is so organic. This is so beautiful. We have no clue. We haven't got a Scooby-Doo where this is going to go. And for me, that's such a beautiful thing. I cannot wait. I'm sure it's going to be a very, very exciting road to WrestleMania. And I wish I had more answers, but it's kind of fun just asking the questions and uh, being able to sit there ringside and watch it all play out. 
Gravy, when we're talking about Roman Reigns, we have to talk a little bit about the Usos. And tonight on SmackDown, they're going to defend, we think at least, their record-setting tag team championships against Braun Strowman and Ricochet. But that's if Jey Uso shows up right now. We don't know where Jey is. Jay's been, I don't want to say radio silent because he has been somewhat active on social media, dropping a few uh, cryptic messages from time to time. And man, this is another one. This is why I love the bloodline, why this story is so masterfully told. And in the way it's unfolded, you understand how Jay Uso feels. What if Jay Uso is the one that costs Roman Reigns the match at Elimination Chamber? Like, I don't want to put the cart behind, before the horse here, but at this point, you don't know. What if, what if Jay shows up Friday night defends the titles because let's be honest, even when they're not on the exact same page, the Usos are still untouchable as far as a tag team goes. I'm a fan of Ricochet. I'm a fan of Braun Strowman. They're not the team. They're not the team to do it unless something happens. You know, Jay maybe doesn't show up. But what happens if, if this is all a bait and switch on Jay's part? What if Jay is doing his Lord Varus thing where he's infiltrated? He's in the bloodline. Now he wants to take the throne. I mean, this could go so many different ways. It goes back to what I said last week about this story is so rich and could go so many different directions. What if what if it's Jey Uso who sticks the dagger in the tribal chief, thereby providing Sami Zayn an opportunity to become champion and head to WrestleMania? You are giving me chills, gravy boy. You're getting chills here. <laughs> Listen, Jay and Roman have a history, right? What if that's been in the back of Jay's mind this entire time? And then he sees the be. way Roman just turns on Sammy in that ruthless and unforgiving way. And you could see the, 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 the blood boiling nearly inside of Jay Uso at the Royal Rumble. Oh my God. Smackdown, let's be having you. Can't wait for it. A few answers tonight on Friday Night Smackdown as the Usos defend. Hopefully we'll get a few more answers as we march toward Montreal. And I certainly have plenty of questions for the one man who will step into the elimination chamber for the very first time. Please welcome back to After the Bell, the colossal Bronson Reed. Bronson, first things first, welcome back to After the Bell. The last time we spoke, you were uh, tearing it up in NXT Yes. Talking North American Championship. Uh, It's been a while. Many things have changed. So we got a lot of catching up to do. A week from tomorrow, you will step inside of the Elimination Chamber for the very first time in your career. I want to get your initial thoughts. Once you found out you you won the match, you earned your right to compete in the Elimination Chamber. What was your initial reaction? Uh, Almost a little bit surreal. You know, the Elimination Chamber is uh, something that I had on my bucket list that I've always wanted to compete in. I actually remember being 14 years old, and at the time, we still had the VCR DVD combo. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were living in the tall grass there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good combo. So at the time, VHS tapes were a little bit cheaper than DVDs, so I was able to get my hands on the uh, Survivor Series 2002 VHS, and I remember watching that first chamber very fondly. So ever since then, it's something that I've wanted to do. Let me ask you this. Why is Bronson Reed prepared now to make a mark on WWE beginning inside the Elimination Chamber uh, versus the last time we spoke? I think now more than ever, I have a big chip on my shoulder. You know, Um, I did spend that little time away. And if anything, it's just hardened me as a competitor uh, more than ever. You know, I got to spend a lot of time in Japan and really test not only like my wrestling skills, but my will and how much I want to still pursue and chase this. And it, it it kept me 
grounded in that I am, I love professional wrestling and I always want to be that. And I wound up back here with the WWE. So I'm not going to let any opportunity pass me by. You spoke at length last time we talked about your will and your journey to get to WWE, which in and of itself seemed like an, an impossible goal. You had it, but then you lost it. What was going through your mind during that time? Did it affect your will? Did it slow you down or, or, or weaken your resolve at all, having been where you wanted to be and then having it all ripped away? Uh, to be honest, you know, I think everyone that's been through something like that takes it differently. I was surprised in the way that I did take it. I was actually more angry than anything. I wasn't so much sad or, or anything like that. I just thought that I had so much potential. Things were going my way. I was the North American champion, you know, only just lost that championship. Uh, so to me, I was just angry that I didn't get to do more with the WWE, uh, which then, you know, like I said, put a chip on my shoulder. I went out there and did whatever I could to be the best that I could be, which obviously got me seen to come back. So in the end, you know, I think it was uh, a little gut-wrenching at the time, but it might have been beneficial for my career. So what did you learn about yourself during that time then? Again, I think it, I think it, it sort of uh, brought me back to the 18-year-old that started this and started training, and I never even dreamt that I could be in WWE. You know, when I started training in Australia in, in 2007, there was no one from Australia in WWE. So my intentions were to be as good a pro wrestler as I could be in my home country, in my hometown, then, then travel around the country and then hopefully get to Japan and places like that. And as time went on, I saw avenues and tryouts and ways to get to WWE. So it became more realistic to me. So I really, I really did feel like that 18 year old kid again, like, you know, the world is sort of my oyster. What should I do? And, uh, yeah, I, I, I focus mainly on going back to Japan. Uh, let me ask you this. I, I know you had a lot of success in Japan. You went back there after leaving WWE. We always ask guys and girls about the journey to get to WWE. You took that journey. You succeeded at a very high level, even in, in NXT as North American champion. And then you have to go back out into the wild, so to speak. You, you're on your <laughs> own. You, I know you, you went back to Japan. How did your time in NXT or WWE as a whole better prepare you for that adjustment in reverse. Yeah, I mean, that's a very different story, you know. I think a lot of the guys and girls that are on the independence and have never had that taste of glory or being on WWE, you have to it's really hard to get things like bookings and and make sure that you have things lined up whereas I think being a part of NXT giving me more exposure, uh having that brand behind me of Bronson Reed, it it really uh I was fortunate enough to walk into matches straight away, basically, you know, people wanted to see me in different towns. They wanted to see me at different shows. So it definitely gave me a bigger platform and also just I'm a much more polished performer than what I was before being with WWE, you know, being at the performance center around all these legends teaching you, you know, you can learn some something different every single day you walk into that place. So I definitely became a more polished performer from it. What about the phone call? The return to WWE. Can you tell us where you were? Who gave you the call? How did it all play out? I was actually here at home and uh, it was Triple H that called me. So uh, I always had a great relationship with him. And at the time I was I was working with New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and it looked like I could do one of two things. I could have signed on with them to stay longer 
or I could have came back to WWE and uh, I sent a text to Hunter just to see if he was interested and, and he was. And so he set up a time to call me, he called me and then we had a great chat about, about everything, not just, not just coming back to WWE, but wrestling in general, what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, it just felt right. It felt like, okay, this is the move that I need to make. And I had said to to Hunter, you know, I, I didn't get to do those things like Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or an Elimination Chamber. These are the things that I wanted to be able to do. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm very happy that I'm back to be able to do those things. So I want to take it back to the Elimination Chamber, which is obviously an opportunity you've been wanting for quite some time. You're going to be in there with a lot of guys you are familiar with. You're Gargano, uh, as, as we look around the rest of the field, guys at Theory who has spent time in NXT. But the one name that stands out to me is Seth freaking Rollins. What does it mean to you, Bronson Reed, having been a passionate performer and, and traveled many of the same paths as these guys, we've all, you know, all culminates in the elimination chamber. What does it mean to you to be in there with somebody at the level of Seth Rollins for the very first time? Yeah. You know, I love always, again, testing myself against, you know, the, the biggest names in the business. I I'm not, you know, I'm 340 pounds. I'm a big dude. I'm someone that gets in there and destroys people, but somehow I feel like sometimes I'm still the underdog in people's eyes. I don't know if it's because I haven't done certain things or, you know, I do come from Australia. Sometimes I get a little bit of a bad, a bad rep, but I, I'm no underdog. Wait, people don't like you because you're Australian. <laughs> is, that a real, is that a real problem? <laughs> no, 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 not, a, not Australian per se, but I feel like the wrestling world and even some of the people in the wrestling world don't give Australia the respect it deserves when it comes to pro wrestling. We have a rich history in our that. country. Yeah, yeah. I think people forget the history that the country has in wrestling. And they think it's a bit like, oh, maybe these guys, you know, they don't know what they're doing sort of thing. But that's right, definitely right. not it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I definitely want to test myself against Seth Rollins because whenever I'm in there with someone of his caliber, it just brings out the best in me. And I prove to all those people that I'm there for a reason. I love that. I can get that sense. You mentioned the chip on your shoulder. I can get that sense about you now, you know, and you've had a lot of experience in this game. But I do need to know, who is Bronson Reed, right? We've seen how devastating you can be, but what's going on inside the mind of Bronson Reed? Tell us more about Bronson. Well, you know, I think Bronson, when I when I arrived to NXT, it was about the journey. It was about, you know, all those years that I... I I sacrificed away from my wife and family and leaving my home country to be able to get to WWE. Now coming back, I think is a little bit of a different story. Like I said, I have that chip on my shoulder. I don't really care what anyone thinks. I'm there to get what I want done. I want to be a champion. I want to be a main event guy. Like, so I'll do whatever it takes to get those spots. Off the top of your head, where does Bronson Reed need to step up his game? Because you are now in, in the deep end of the pool, so to speak. It, it, as much as NXT prepares superstars for Raw, for SmackDown, I think you yourself would attest it's a very different environment. What stood out to Bronson Reed as, uh, I don't want to say a culture shock, but what differences to you did you kind of go, whoa, okay, I'm going to have to change my game a little bit? Yeah, I think it's, uh, if anything... Being part of a Raw or a SmackDown roster is, it's a mental thing as well. It's not just going out there and performing. I think you need to show the people, you know, backstage or the people's in power that you are someone that they can get behind. Uh, you need to make yourself that brand and you need to show people that, you know, you're worthy. So that's, that's what I've noticed mainly backstage is the way of, 
you're presenting yourself to people. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I think you're, you're dead on with that assessment. That said, how does Bronson Reed approach these segments or these opportunities? Because you go from an NXT uh, prior to, to leaving the company, but in NXT, you got a significant amount of TV time as yes. is the nature of NXT. It's to sort of flesh out these characters and introduce these new talents to the world. You're not getting necessarily that much time. You're going to get opportunities, but they're short, they're sweet. They may be few and far between. How do you approach these realizing the opportunity you have in front of you? Yeah, that's the thing. That's a, it's a big difference. You know, if you're given 20 minutes on television compared to five minutes with those short, short and sweet segments, you need to make sure you stand out. And uh, I look at the things online, like the gifts and people's reactions, and I can go out there and be devastating for three minutes. And out of those three minutes have maybe a minute and a half of stuff that's circulating on the internet. Whereas some people might go out there for 20 minutes and only have 10 seconds worth of, of viral footage. So that's where I think I stand out. Do you keep that in mind when you're when you're putting things together or you're plotting out, you know, what you have in mind for that night? Do you do you look at it as though these moments will live, this might live on, this might go viral, this might get a little traction? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I I want whatever I'm doing whether it's 5 minutes or 20 minutes, I want that to be remembered. So I'm I'm not a guy to go out there and rest on my laurels. Uh I I will try and push it no matter how much time I'm given. It's really interesting to hear that perspective because as a guy myself who spent, you know, too much time in this business, that's changed to where, uh, you know, the, the digital viral aspect of it is definitely a, a driving force. Uh, when I grew up, it was, how did you make the people in the, in the building feel, or how do you make the people on the other side of the camera feel something? But that was never really anything that you consciously thought about. Like, Oh, this moment will go viral case in point, Ricochet and Logan Paul at the Royal rumble. For a yes. week after that, that's they had five seconds of interaction and it lived and it was everywhere and it was all over the people who didn't even watch our business or know what we were about. Watch that. And that's really interesting to me that you keep something like that in mind. Like, I mean, it's it's never not impressive to see a, a dude your size come off the top rope with the tsunami splash. But that's it's really interesting to me that you approach your matches thinking that way. But Graves, let me put that back on you for a second. Is that a, is that a, that kind of comes with a negative, I'm sure as well, right? If everybody's trying to do, make sure they're the highlight of the night, right? I could see your point where it would be negative. Everybody, you can't just think that. I guess that's no. my point. Bronson, you had to have that in the back of your mind going, oh, all right, this is going to be the, the, the great beat in the story that I'm telling. Yes. But how much cooler would it be if everyone around the world is seeing it because it's spectacular and it's not just a subtlety? Is that is that kind of what you're thinking? 100%, yeah. I'm always... At the end of the day, it comes down to storytelling for me first and foremost. That's always what I'm out there to do. But I always think about those beats in the matches that can be something special where people will remember those things. And I think today's culture and world, things move so fast that once Monday Night Raw is done, people are already thinking about SmackDown. And then when SmackDown happens, they forget what happened on Monday Night Raw. So if they can see from a week ago, one little clip or one little gift, they go, oh, I remember when that happened. For me growing up, it was like Foley getting thrown off the cage. That got played sure. over and over and over and over and over. It's a moment that I won't forget. So, you know, Elimination Chamber is coming up. Maybe I could have that Foley-esque moment. I don't know. I don't want to end up like Foley with a with hope a tooth you through don't my lip. Thrown off the chamber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe let's not say those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not put that out into existence right now. That could be that could be bad. 
Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Give us a primer for Monday night. Mustafa Ali has been talking a big game, hasn't he? He's been all up in your ear and you showed up and you 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 were dressed to the nines. I mean, gravy. The suit that Bronson was rocking on Monday night. The look oh, I respect the man with style, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, mighty impressive. Mustafa Ali, Monday night. You're going to put him in his place? Oh, 100%. You know, I think Ali is a great competitor. He He's someone that can do amazing things in the ring, but he always, you know, puts his foot in his own mouth and you can't be talking that sort of trash backstage when you got guys like me walking around. We're, we're great white sharks in the sea. He's just a little fish that's about to get eaten up. Great whites, fish getting eaten. You can tell he's Australian. Australian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. talk, talk to me, Bronson. I, I, I actually, I was expecting Kevin Patrick to go there because we discussed it uh, in the in the pre-production meeting. Uh, talk to me about your your Australian pride. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be much of a talking point, but you brought it brought it up yourself. You've got Rhea Ripley, who's going to headline WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair. You've got yourself. You've got Grayson Waller, who just headlined NXT inside a cage with Braun Breaker. How does it make you feel seeing? your people represented uh, on such a grand scale and not only just being represented, but succeeding. It's not just Aussie pride too. It's Adelaide pride for you, boy. All right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rhea yeah, Adelaide. yeah. Me, me and Rhea both from the same hometown. Again, it's one of those hometowns that gets a little bit crapped on in Australia because it's one of the smaller ones. So to see both of us being so successful is, is incredible. But for me, yeah, I love where I came from and I also love, Australian professional wrestling. I I was around it for so long. That's where I got trained. That's where I got brought up. I ended up training a whole generation of wrestlers that are down there as well. So I want that representation on screen for those guys to see, hey, we can be successful. We can chase this. We can do this. And me growing up, I didn't really have that. So I think I think it's a very important thing. You weren't a big Outback Jack guy? As a kid? No, no, not really. You know, the, the closest thing I had was the Bushwhackers, but they were, you know, they were from New Zealand, but good enough. <laughs> Close enough. You guys just, you guys don't, you guys don't claim New Zealand until it's convenient. You're like, oh yeah, the whole, you know, that whole region. Where, you know. Yeah. If they're, if they're successful, we'll, we'll take them on, you know. We'll claim them. <laughs> I love it. I just love what you said there about, about training others though, too. And you, you see this so much gravy. We talk, we, we talk about it and you, whether it's, you know, Finn Balor training Becky Lynch from her early days over in Ireland. And you're talking about training some of the younger superstars uh, that are that are that are emerging over in Australia right now it just clearly shows your love for this business that you're part of. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I I've loved professional wrestling since I could remember my earliest memories of life. Crazily enough, watching WrestleMania too. So there's nothing else I'd be doing in this world other than this. But yeah, it 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 makes me very proud to see those guys in Australia doing well and coming up. Even people like Grayson Waller, who sort of came in a bit after me. And now he's headlining NXT. Like, it's incredible. Actually, Rhea Ripley used to come to live shows and watch me in the crowd as a fan. And then, <laughs> and then years later, oh, as soon as she started wrestling, I'm like, okay, she's going to be, you know, on TV. She's, I could see straight away. She's incredible. And now she's, yeah, WrestleMania headliner. Like, it's incredible. I can't wait till the headlines that Bronson Reed takes credit for all of Rhea Ripley's <laughs> success. <laughs> yeah, well, if it Across wasn't for me, world. if it wasn't for me, you know, you know, showing how it's done, you know, maybe she wouldn't go. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Bronson, obviously, we're, we're having a blast here. We're having a chat. We're being cordial. I, I know who, what makes you tick as a guy. How do you flip that switch? Because when the bell rings, 
the guy that we are speaking to and chatting to right now about the business and how much we love it, it's nowhere to be found. It's nowhere to be seen. You flip into something completely different. How do you do that? How does that happen mentally? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, a mental exercise to be able to get into that mind frame. You know, I'm someone that uh, in my personal life, I like to be pretty chilled, relaxed, and I don't like to take things in to, 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 you know, make things negative. But I do have all these little moments in my life that I reflect on and things that can sort of spark something in here to get me a little bit angry, a little bit ready to go out there and perform. And, and I think of those things, get in that mental mind frame. I slap myself in the face backstage and then I go. So I'm definitely in the zone when I'm out there. I mean, I thought you were going to kill Akira Tozawa recently. I, I was worried <laughs> for Akira Tozawa. We were, we were on commentary. Man, oh man, oh man. The, the noise that we heard from Akira Tozawa's body when yes. when he hit he hit that that floor at a hundred miles an hour after you hit him, man. That's that's one of the biggest impacts I've witnessed from the commentary desk. Okay, good. I was worried for Akira Tozawa, genuinely. And what do you mean, okay, good? <laughs> that's it. That's the response that Bronson Reed desired. Yeah, that's what I want. You know, I think I'm I'm one thing to be seen on camera and and I try to get that to translate for everyone watching at home. But if you can come to a WWE live event or come to Aurora or pay-per-view, seeing me in person is is very different because you get to experience those things up close. Just stay away from me on commentary, please. I'm getting threatened a lot these days, but I don't need it from you of all people. Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> no promises. We got Elimination Chamber coming next week. We, we're watching Bronson Reed develop on Monday Night Raw. Before we let you go, what's something the WWE fans need to know about Bronson Reed? What's something that maybe you haven't been able to convey yet on our screens? Use this opportunity to, to let us know who you are, what you are, are, what your mission is, and why the WWE fans need to keep their eyes on you. Well, they need to keep their eyes on me, one, because I am must-watch television, you know. The things I do in the ring are so devastating, and I'm 340 pounds, and I move like no other 340-pounder. I know there's a lot of big guys. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of big guys in our business, especially in WWE, a lot of tall guys, but I just hit faster and harder. And there is another side to me, which I'm sure the Raw audience is going to see when I get to get on the microphone a little bit more. And then you get to experience more of the new Bronson. Bronson Reed, master of the mic. We haven't seen that yet. Is that something you're you're comfortable with? You think you thrive there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If ever I get a chance to speak, I I make sure that the words mean something. That's the right attitude, man. Maximizing his minutes. What do you think, Gravy? Eight days from now, Bronson Reed, United States champion. Well, provided that we can actually keep him in contained inside one of those pods in the elimination <laughs> chamber for uh, you know any period of time, because let's be honest, those things aren't spacious and you're more than strong enough to come out at yeah. will. So please play nice. Yeah. <laughs> because we'll that's see. what I'm asking. We we need to have at least those other we need those other five guys at least for WrestleMania weekend. It's two nights. We gotta <laughs> fill out the card somehow. Yeah. What's the record for breaking pods? How many pods have been broken? That's what I need to see. I don't know what the record is, but I, uh, I'm i encouraging you to set it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'm, I'm going to pass all the heat. I know this is being recorded and it'll be out there. But when you go into business for yourself and just start breaking pods, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just doing it. I saw red and I'm breaking everything in front of me. Bronson, you got to turn to Graves. Then he's going to be on the commentary desk alongside Cole. And you got to be like, that was for you, Corey. <laughs> like hell, I'm going to be hiding under the desk. 
<laughs> but all right, Bronson. Hey, man, good luck. Keep doing what you're doing. Hats off to you for picking up where you left off. I mean, a lot of people have dealt with these circumstances in the past. Not too many have been able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and pick up right where they left off and keep chasing the goal. I got a ton of respect for that. Keep your head up. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, good luck inside the chamber. And you, you know you're always welcome here on ATB. I appreciate that. I appreciate you both. KP, I cannot wait to see what type of destruction Bronson Reed unleashes inside the Elimination Chamber. I got a feeling he's definitely going to be one to watch for the years to come here in WWE. Yeah, and Gravy, I have to bring up someone else that I feel is a one to watch after the last week or so in WWE. Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green. Yeah, it's Chelsea Green because she's so hateable. She's so entitled. But you know what? She stands out. And we talk about it here all the time about whether it's character development or who is that person. We asked Bronson Reed that. Who is Bronson Reed? Tell us about yourself. With Chelsea Green, her character development is pretty clear after week one. We know exactly what Chelsea Green is, what she stands for. Pretty hateable, but I like it. Are, are you using my own logic against me, KP? Are you using my own criteria for what I like against me to prove me wrong? Damn, Damn right. you, KP. Damn you. <laughs> I, I I begrudgingly agree. The way you put it that way, yes, you're right. I, she makes my skin crawl when she's on my screen, but I guess that's exactly what Chelsea Green is supposed to be doing right now. You are right. I do understand because we have met that person 10,000 times in our life, and yeah. every time of the 10,000, we had the same reaction. <laughs> I, I, I'm they should have named her after your auntie, though. What's your aunt's name I again? Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to just change change the dichotomy just worldwide in the zeit in the zeitgeist. It's not it's no longer Karen. It's Chelsea. She's a real Chelsea. There you go. She's on her way, man. I, I as much as she makes my skin crawl, I will give you credit where it credits due. I, I think you're actually right. I'm curious to have this conversation a few months down the line because I feel like she's uh, setting a lot of fires. The question is whether or not she gets to put them all out. Makes our job easier, right? Storytelling makes it a lot easier. We know exactly what Chelsea Green is, and I'm enjoying it so far. I got to agree with you, KP. Good stuff. Good stuff along the way. Before I let you go, uh, everybody in the WWE universe uh, has been sending thoughts and prayers and well wishes to uh, the one and only, the incomparable Jerry, the King Lawler, uh, myself included. Got some really terrible news Monday night, actually after Raw, that King had taken ill, uh, suffered a stroke. That's the most information we have at this point. To my knowledge, uh, as of about 10 minutes before we started recording this, King was up and walking around, uh, obviously a stroke there, there can be untold long-term effects, but to the best of our knowledge, King is up, he's moving, he's talking, not out of the woods just yet, but, uh, keep the the thoughts and prayers coming in. I know King appreciates them. We all appreciate him because he's an incredibly valuable member of our team and our family and got nothing but love and respect for everything King has done. I'm, I'm honored. I, I, Posted it after Raw 30. What an honor it is for me to be able to sit in his chair uh, that that he made famous. And that's never lost on me. So, uh, you know, shout out to Jerry. Glad he's kicking out, doing well. King's not ready to do the job just yet. No, we love him. We really do. We talk about it all the time, Graves, away from the microphone. Just what a lovely, lovely gentleman that Jerry is. So uh, sending lots and lots of love to you, Jerry. No doubt about Kick it. Kick out, like you say, Corey, and get back get back with us soon. Absolutely. Best wishes to the King and best wishes to all of you for hanging out. Uh, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on all of your social media. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And we will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE 
after the bell. 